I want you to get your Bibles out this morning, uh, Mark chapter 1. We are starting a new series that we are calling Remarkable. It is a look at the glory of Jesus through the eyes of Mark. So how many of you, if you've been around Living Stones, you know we, we, we preach the Word. Can I get an amen on that? We preach the Word. We love the Word. We honor the Word. We also love the Holy Spirit who makes the Word of God come alive. Amen. The two are a dynamic one-two duo there. And if you've been around here, we preach a lot of topical messages. We preach some standalone messages, but we also love to get into expositional preaching and teaching as well. And so if, if you're somebody that really enjoys that, uh, you're in for a great start to the new year because we're going to be starting in Mark's Gospel, Chapter 1, and with the birth of Christ, and we're going to be moving all the way through on Resurrection Sunday to, of course, Jesus' resurrection from the dead and his ascension to the Father's right hand. So that's a great place to spend uh, kicking off the new year, amen? And as you look at Mark's gospel, what I love about Mark's gospel, it's the earliest gospel. It's the first one out of the gate. It's the shortest gospel. So those of you that uh, would love to take some time reading through, start with Mark. A lot of people start with John. Start with Mark. It's the shortest of the, of the four gospels. And I love this too. It's the liveliest. Mark is always on the go. It's an action gospel. In fact, Mark likes to emphasize the acts of Jesus, not so much the words of Jesus. Others give us more content about what Jesus had to say, but Mark is big on emphasizing what Jesus did, which is pretty exciting. And I shared this morning, this is pretty fun. Mark's gospel is the most translated piece of literature in the entire world. Isn't that amazing? The gospel of Mark has been translated into more languages than any, anything on planet earth, any, anything that's ever been written. Mark's gospel is number one. Wycliffe Bible translators, uh, that is the most most translated version of any of the Gospels, all right? So that's pretty cool. It's, it's the missionary. We like to call it the missionary Gospel. And here's what's ironic, though, okay? If you all think back at Christmas time, if you're looking for Christmas pregnant passages, in other words, where we get the most of our information about the birth of Jesus, how I many you know Mark's, or, I'm sorry, Matthew's pretty good, right? Matthew, we come across things like the, uh, the Virgin Mary who becomes pregnant and the power of the Holy Spirit. We read about this baby named Jesus who's going to save his people from their sins. We read about the wise men. We see the star. We got the manger. We got Emmanuel, God with us. How I many you know Matthew kills it on the birth of Jesus? And then you got Dr. Luke. How I many of you have read anything in Luke's gospel about the birth of Jesus? Lots of stuff. Let me just highlight some. First of all, we get Zechariah and Elizabeth and the supernatural birth of John the Baptist, the forerunner, which is important. We get Mary's encounter with Gabriel, the archangel, where, where he announces that she's going to give birth to the Messiah. We also encountered the shepherds and the angelic choirs and all the stuff that we saw this morning. How I many you know he does a great job too? And then you got John. Anybody read John's gospel? I love John's gospel. He starts off kind of philosophical, talking about the Logos, the eternal word of God, the creator of all things. He talks about Jesus being the light that shines in the darkness. I mean, you know, that's a good gospel for highlighting Jesus. But guess what? Here we had this great plan to preach through Mark's gospel, starting on Christmas, and you know, Mark does not even mention the birth of Jesus. So, Pastor, what are you going to do on Christmas morning? Well, we're going to rewind the tape, because Mark not only doesn't start with John the Baptist, he doesn't start with the birth of Jesus. Mark takes us all the way back into the heart of God, and he reveals who is this man, Jesus Christ, that we've come to worship on Christmas morning. I mean, you know, that's a good place to start. And check this out. In one verse, 
We have so much content, we could actually preach on the better half of this year on just one content, because one verse in Mark's gospel sets the stage for this incredible picture of Jesus Christ. So guess what? You're still in good hands with Mark, although this is the abbreviated version of Jesus, all right? Uh, He's going to start off with answering the question, who is this man, Christ Jesus, that we've come to worship not only on Christmas morning, but on every morning of the year. So take a look with me. Mark chapter 1, verse 1. And uh, this is from the uh, ESV. It says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Let me give you five uh, key things that reveal the identity of Jesus Christ, the man who we have come to love and to worship as our Savior and King. The first thing is that word gospel. How many of you know that word gospel means Jesus is good news? Wherever the name of Jesus mentioned, it's good news, which means we should preach the gospel with a smile on our face. Can I get an amen on that? It means Christmas is a happy day because it's about good news. It means whenever you tell anybody about Jesus, you got to do it with the right heart and the right, the right emotion because Jesus is always about good news. But here's the other cool thing about this word gospel. Uh, it's a military term. If we were fighting a battle back in the day and our king and, and most of our men were off to war and some distant place, we would be waiting and looking every day eagerly for a messenger to return with good news. Uh, good news that the battle had been fought and the battle had been won. In fact, the good news that would come back in, in the Greek would be this word good news, gospel, gospel, gospel. If the messenger came back yelling gospel, it was good news. It meant, here's a ready, ready for this Good news was synonymous with victory. I mean, you know, Christmas is a celebration of victory. It's a celebration of Christ's victory over all of our enemies. And I don't know about you, but when you think about a baby coming into the world, the the old picture is the doctor holding the baby by the legs and smacking the child on the behind. And what happens next? There's a big cry that comes out. And that big cry is a sound of life. Amen. It's the sound that that baby's okay. The lungs are working well. That cry is a sound that um, you had a successful delivery. All right. How I many know that cry is a good cry? You, want, you don't like it when it continues uh, for days and weeks and months and years, but that's initially a really good sound. I want you to think about this for a minute. Maybe you haven't looked at it this way. But when Jesus Christ was born, that first cry that came out of his mouth in that manger sent hell, reverberations literally through hell of fear because it was a war cry from Jesus Christ the Messiah. It was a shout of victory already from the mouth of a babe. It was a sound of life coming into uh, that, that manger scene, and it was a demonstration and a declaration of war. Maybe you've never looked at a baby's cry as a war declaration, but that's exactly what Jesus' war cry was. It was a cry from the mouth of a babe uh, that the Son of God had arrived and that the battle was now at hand. How many of you know this This world and your soul is the contested battleground. And so when we celebrate Christmas, what we're saying is Christmas is good news. It's the good news that Jesus Christ was born. And the fact that he was born meant that we have victory. It means we have victory over sin. It means we have victory over death. It means we have victory over disease. It means we have victory over everything. It means we're more than victorious through Christ who gives us strength. Amen? Christmas is a victory morning. It's a celebration. I can't think of a more fitting place for us to be than to remind ourselves of good news. We have so much to be grateful for, so much to be thankful for. And I love the fact that every now and then, and we get to celebrate one of those every now and thens, we actually have a holy day on the holy day itself 
to look at, at what all this means. And so the first thing I want you to get in your spirit this morning is that Jesus Christ is good news. The gospel is good news. It's the good news that the world is waiting for. It's the good news that peace can be ours uh, through the victory of the Messiah. Second thing I want you to see in this passage, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I want you to look at the word Jesus because Jesus is the name given to him by Mary and Joseph. Jesus refers to the fact that he is the Son of Man. It is his identification with our humanity. Now, this is pretty cool. The name Jesus is the most common name we have in the Bible for him. 600 times in the Gospels, the writers simply refer to Jesus. Of course, it's the Greek word for Joshua. When you read through Joshua in the Old Testament, it's a great picture, a type and shadow in the Old Testament of Jesus and his ministry. And so Joshua, Jesus, it's a very common name. Let me just say this. It's a very ordinary name. If Jesus were here in our midst today and he was sitting in the congregation, uh, his name in his culture would have been a name that many people would have shared. If I would have said, hey, Jesus, you would have said to me, which one are you referring to? Because there would have been many people named Jesus. In fact, there was, uh, according to history, there were at least six high priests by the name of Jesus. Why would God call his name Jesus? How many know we could talk about him being wonderful, counselor, prince of peace, everlasting father, alpha, omega, all these incredibly awesome names, most holy, most reverend, whatever name you want to come up with. We have a lot of religious terms for people nowadays. But how many know Jesus didn't come that way? Jesus came with a common name. Why did he do that? Because he was identifying with our humanity. It's because he was being approachable, reachable, touchable. How many of you know in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, when we look at Jesus' life, Jesus had no problem with people, all kinds of people having access to him. He was very relatable. Nobody was afraid of him. Nobody ran from him except the demons. But everybody else ran to him because of who he was because of his approachableness. In fact, we talked about this before, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 2. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. This is just Jesus. Jesus is one of the guys. Jesus is the guy that built furniture with his father in the father's family business. That was the Jesus that everybody had a stumbling block with because, ready for this, because he was so much like us. And Christmas reminds us of how much like us Jesus was. When you think of all the ways God could have revealed himself or God could have come to save the planet, there's lots of alternatives. But God becoming a baby and spending nine months in the womb of a teenager was probably not one that would have come to most of our minds. Why did he do all of that? Once again, he's coming as the son of man to identify with our humanity so that he could save us from our sin. Take a look at what Max Lucado says. I love, uh, I love Max's writings, especially about Jesus. He said, the omnipotent in one instant made himself breakable. The one who had been spirit became pierceable. He who was larger than the universe became an embryo. And he who sustains the world with a word chose to be dependent upon the nourishment of a young girl. God as a fetus, holiness sleeping in a womb, the creator of life being created. That's Jesus. I love John's writing. He says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Isn't that a great, great translation? The word became flesh and blood 
and moved into the neighborhood. Sometimes we think of, uh, of Jesus' suffering coming to its climax on the cross, and certainly the cross was uh, horrific agony and pain. And I love the way, did you notice that in our song selection this morning? We, we sang a wonderful song about Jesus' triumph over the grave. We sang a song that, that could be categorized as a resurrection Easter Sunday song. But how many know the birth of Jesus and the resurrection go hand in hand? They're inseparable because Jesus was born to die. And when you think about suffering, we often think of the Passion Week where he was beaten beyond recognition, where he was uh, nailed to a cross, spit upon, mocked, the crown of thorns, uh, the agony of the cross. But can I just challenge you with something? What kind of agony was it for the transcendent, infinite creator of the universe to take on human flesh and to be limited by a body? Not just for the days on planet Earth that he was here, not just for his short life, but for eternity, Jesus is going to wear a resurrected body. How many of you know that's called suffering? When you're limitless and you spend your first nine months in a womb of a teenage mama, that's called suffering. I can't imagine what it's like when Jesus said he left all of his godly attributes and, and took on human nature and became one of us. That is the epitome of suffering, and that's what Jesus did for us. So the, the fact that he came and that he took on human nature and that he was fully man uh, not only highlights his willingness to suffer for us, but it also demonstrates that he's near, he's close, he's somebody that we can uh, approach when God chose to reveal himself to us, it was not through a list of rules or regulation, but he came as one of us. He came as a human being. And I love this passage in John's gospel. When a bunch of Greek folks were wanting to meet Jesus Christ, they said simply, sir, we want to meet Jesus. Isn't it, isn't it simple? How many of you ever just came to the, to the Lord that way? I just, I just want to meet Jesus. There's just something about the name of Jesus. It's simple. It's approachable. He identifies with us. He's human. But look at, look at the third thing I want to highlight today from this, from this one verse. Jesus is also called the Christ. That word Christ is important. It's, it means he's the anointed servant that Isaiah was prophesying about. And I want you to think about this. You know, if you were a skeptic or you were wanting to communicate with one of your friends why Christmas morning is worthy of getting up, uh, facing the cold, coming out, and worshiping Jesus as God Almighty, what would be the basis of your argument? There's lots of bases, actually, for why we would believe in Jesus Christ. But can I just give you, to me, one of the strongest, uh, uh, I guess, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, arguments of why Jesus is who he is. And it's found in the over 300 Messianic prophecies in the Old Testament. Think about this for a minute. 300 prophecies from different folks through different times in history that all converge in one man, in one life, in 33 years, Jesus Christ. Now, if I told you there were 100 prophecies, that would be stunning. If I told you there were 50, that would be amazing. If I told you there were 10, it would be numerically and mathematically impossible. But I'm telling you, there's 300 Old Testament prophecies that all converge in the life of this man, Jesus Christ. Now, how many of you know, you got to look at those prophecies and you got to ask yourself, how in the world could that happen by chance? And the answer is, it can't. 
Some of the greatest minds throughout human history have tried to deny that Jesus was who he said he was, that he is the Christ, the anointed one, the one who's coming to set captives free. How I many you know the first thing Jesus did when he came out of the wilderness is he went into the temple and he opened up Isaiah's uh, prophecy and he began to read about what the anointed one was going to come and do, right? Preach the gospel to the poor. He was going to heal the sick, heal the deaf, cast out de- devils, set people free. Uh, the anointed one, that's what he was going to do. And Jesus said, I am him. Today that scripture is fulfilled in your midst. But let me give you a couple prophecies. We talked about some of them this morning. How about Isaiah chapter 7? The Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you're going to call his name Emmanuel. Who in the world could have come up with a redemption story where a virgin conceives and gives birth to a child? How many know that's never, ever happened And skeptics would say that's why Jesus can't be who he says he is. But how many of you know if God is who he says he is, nothing is impossible for God. And so the virgin birth is a prophecy. And that's why we celebrate uh, all of that during this season. Because it was a prophecy that Jesus perfectly fulfilled. And the gospel writers tell us about it. How about Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6? David shared it with us this morning. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. All of those embody who this man, Jesus the Christ, is the anointed service servant, the one who fulfills all of the Old Testament prophecies. He is the Christ. Take a look at the next one. This is a powerful, powerful word. Jesus is the Son of God, according to Mark, which points to his divinity. In other words, this is an unmistakable phrase that declared that Jesus Christ is God. Can I just pause right there? If there's no other reason for us to be out here on Christmas morning, how about the fact that Jesus is God? How about the fact that he is worthy of our worship? He is God. And can I just tell you, if you're looking for another reason to separate Jesus from the rest of the crowd, how about we pause right here? No other prophet, no other religious leader ever had the audacity to claim to be God. Only Jesus had the audacity to claim to be God because he was big enough to back up the claim. Only Jesus could claim to be God because he was God and he acted like God and he demonstrated God. When you look at the virgin birth, when you look at his incarnation, that's the whole point. It's God taking on human flesh, coming and moving into our neighborhood. It's literally heaven invading earth. So when you think of Christmas, Christmas is a declaration that heaven has invaded earth so that we now can invade heaven someday. Amen? Uh, Jesus coming to earth, God Almighty taking on human flesh to take our place, to die in our place. Uh, and to save us from our sins. Now, I want you to look at something with me. If you open up your Bible to Mark's Gospel, which I want you to do, uh, chapter 1, right after verse 1, where Mark makes this incredible declaration about who Jesus is, his identity. We haven't finished it yet, but we talked about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Look at what happens next. We go right to the Old Testament prophets, Mark begins where some of the others have, have uh, begun. I think it's, I think it's uh, Matthew's gospel as well, talking about John the Baptist. Uh, look at verse 2. 
Just as the prophet had written, look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. He has a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. Verse 4, this messenger was John the Baptist. Before Christ even came on the scene and publicly declared his ministry, God was fulfilling Old Testament prophecy, not just about Jesus, but about John the Baptist. How many of you know John was conceived supernaturally, just like Jesus? John uh, uh, leapt in the womb. I mean, obviously, it was not the immaculate conception. I'm not saying their conceptions were the same. I'm saying it was a miracle. Mary was without children. She was unable to conceive. I mean, Elizabeth was without children, unable to conceive. And yet God spoke, opened her womb. John was a miracle. And how many of you know when they first came together, both of them carrying their babies, John the Baptist leaps in, in uh, Elizabeth's womb when he comes into the presence of Jesus Christ the King. This is pretty amazing stuff going on here. Supernatural conception taking place. It's all by the power of God. And I want you to look at John's testimony. If you skip on down to verse 7, this is what John said about Jesus. Someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. So much greater, I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I'm going to baptize you with water that was for the repentance of sins, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist, the greatest of the Old Testament prophets, as Jesus declared, simply said, I am not worthy to become the lowest slave and to even unstrap his sandals this is how awesome, how holy, how magnificent this man is, Jesus Christ. I'm not even worthy to unstrap his dirty shoes. We're coming into the presence of someone here that's amazing and awesome. His name is Jesus Christ, Son of God. And John recognized the greatness. Recognized, he said, I must decrease. He's got to increase. John was so full of humility and the fear of the Lord as it related to who this man Christ Jesus was that he says, I'm not even worthy to take his shoes off, take his sandals off. And I want you to look at, that was John's testimony. I want you to look at God the Father's testimony beginning in verse 9. One day Jesus came from Galilee and Nazareth and John baptized him in the Jordan River. And Jesus came up out of the water and he saw the heavens splitting apart, Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, this is God's voice, the Father's voice, you are my dearly loved son, and you bring me such joy. How many of you know when heaven splits open and God the Father cries out, you are my dearly loved son, you have the highest endorsement possible of who Jesus is? Because God just said, that's my kid, and I love him, and he brings me joy. Now, how do you bring a holy, righteous, perfect God joy? Because he's looking on someone who's holy and righteous and perfect as well. He's looking at the image of himself in human flesh and blood. He's looking at Jesus Christ, the Son, and he says, this is my Son. This is the Son of God. He is divine. Why do we worship on this Christmas and on every day? Because Jesus Christ is God. Don't allow him to be put on the same plane as anybody else. You know, I remember watching some of the NFL commentators talking about giving gifts, and they all make this comment. Anybody on, the, on, on public format, this is, the, this is the summary of Christmas for them. It's all about giving back to each other. Giving, it's all about giving gifts. Let me just tell you, it's not about that at all. It's really not about that at all. 
Now, let me just tell you, I'm not being the Christmas poo-poo guy. Oh, don't you love giving gifts? I do. Don't you love eating all the great food? Don't you love maybe the eggnog or the mistletoe? I like the mistletoe, all right? But anyway, you, uh, I got a few traps set around my house for my wife to fall into. Uh, I don't know why you celebrate Christmas. All those things are part of it. But I, I just want to say, no, it's not about giving gifts. It's about Jesus Christ, God Almighty, coming on a rescue mission, taking on human flesh, and dying on a cross and raising from the dead after he's lived a sinless life, and him giving us the gift of his life. It's all about Jesus, and yet you, you never hear anything about Jesus anywhere. Where's Jesus? It's kind of awkward on my, on my news feed came up this lady who was proudly proclaiming that she's deconstructed. That's a fancy word for she's, she's apostatized, all right? She, she's, given, she's given up faith in Christ. And for the longest time, imagine this, she struggled celebrating Christmas, but now she's over it and she's found her, you know, her Christmas legs back under her. And I didn't bother reading the stupidity of the article because how do you get rid of Jesus and celebrate Christmas? It's kind of awkward. I mean, his name's in the holiday. It's all stupid and meaningless and a materialistic sham if Jesus Christ is not God. But the good news is, not only does Mark proclaim him as God, and not only does John the Baptist say, I'm not even worthy to touch his dirty shoes, but God says, that's my son, and, uh, and you better pay attention to him. And so what do we do? When, I love this. Please, please help me enjoy this moment, not because maybe I'm a pastor. Okay, maybe it is because I'm a pastor. But this does not get any better for me. This is the day. This is the time. This is, this is what we set apart as a holy day in a culture that wants to, you know, sweep Jesus off the main stage and put everything else in the midst of it all. And then we have Resurrection Sunday when we got Easter bunnies and chocolate eggs and we're trying to push Jesus, that nasty cross thing, that empty tomb, we try everything imaginable in America to minimize what is incredibly great. And so can I just thank you all? Thank you for pausing with me on this morning to recognize true greatness and to humble ourselves and to realize who is this man, Jesus, that all this commotion's about in Luke's gospel and Matthew's gospel. Why all this birth stuff and the angels and, and all, why, what's going on here? Well, Mark just cuts to the chase. Amen. It's the good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's what we're talking about. Jesus, the one who's as close as our brother. Christ, anointed with the Holy Spirit, and he doesn't leak Son of God, God Almighty, taking on human flesh, moving into our neighborhood. Wow. And let's end with this point. Point number five from this one little verse. I love it. So pregnant with truth. Jesus is the promise of a new beginning. It says the beginning, the beginning. Everybody say beginning with me. The beginning of the good news, the gospel of Jesus, Son of Man, Christ, the Anointed One, the Son of God. In fact, divine, divinity taking on human flesh. 
Jesus is the promise of new beginnings. In other words, this is the good news, that the good news didn't start and end, but we're living in the season of good news now. And I just want to share some, something with you from my heart. You know, there, some of you have gone through really, really rough times this holiday season or even this past year. Uh, there's a number of folks in our church family who have had loved ones that went home to be with the Lord even this week. And I just want to pause. You know, last Sunday, we, we had folks stand up. Some of, some of them, we, we, we recognize that the holidays can be a painful time. But here's what I love about ultimate things. I saw so many families who buried loved ones this week who were here this morning to worship. And I'm a dot connector, you know. I'm a dot connector. If anyone in my family were to pass away on Christmas Day, Christmas week, I can't think of where I would rather be than lifting my hands in worship and celebrating the one who came on a rescue mission for me. Because can I just tell you something? Christmas is not really about gift giving. Christmas is really about forgiveness. My need for forgiveness. Because I'm selfish, I'm a sinner, I'm broken, I'm messed up, I don't care about God the way I should, I don't love him the way I should, and frankly, if you give me a gift or give me a cup of eggnog, it doesn't change how depraved and broken and lost I am. What I need is forgiveness. And I need to have the ability to recognize my need for forgiveness, which just shows me how lost I am because most of the time I don't even realize it. We're broken, and we need a Savior. And so look at what Mark writes here in verses 14 and 15. Later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee where he preached the good news. The time promised by God has come at last. And he announced the kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Here's our message. God's promised time has come. How many know we're living in the season of God's favor? We're living between the resurrection from the grave and the second coming. How many know it's a great time to be alive? And what is our message? The kingdom of God. What is the message of the kingdom? Jesus Christ reigns. Jesus Christ is Lord. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And how many of you know if you celebrate Christmas, you better get ready for the second coming? Because Christmas is meaningless. If there's no resurrection, then Jesus came in vain and he wasn't who he said he was. But there's a resurrection, which is why we sang about it. We just authenticated Christmas this morning because we sang about the resurrection. In other words, everything God said Jesus was about, everything Jesus said he was about, was perfectly confirmed in the fact that he rose from the grave and proved it. How many of you have ever had a relative raised from the grave after they told you they would get out of the grave? Okay, good. I haven't found any of those either. I haven't found anybody telling, Pastor, Pastor, don't bother praying for me. I'm going to rise from the grave at my funeral. Okay, I'll be looking forward to that. No, that never happens. Only one person said, said it and done it and backed it up. Who, who is that person? Jesus. So guess what? He, he, he validated his birth and who he was as a son of God by his death, burial, and resurrection. And how many of you know, well, you know what, I'm not so sure if Christ is going to come back, you know, I don't know about that stuff. It seems like it's kind of far-fetched or in the future. How long, after all, how long have people been saying, did he raise from the dead? Then he's coming back. 
And we're living in a season where we are closer to his return than we've ever, or any human beings have ever been. So we're living in the hope of what's coming. We're living in the forgiveness of what's happened in our past. We're living in the power of the resurrection because the Holy Spirit's been poured out. I mean, this is a great time to be alive. Jesus, in fact, Jesus said the same Holy Spirit that's on me, I'm pointing on you so that you can go and do the things that I did. In fact, we're going to get into that on, on uh, uh, November, or November, New Year's Day, uh, January 1st, all right? That's where we're going to be on Jesus' pattern for ministry. It's going to be amazing. But I want you to see something here. The first way you get into the kingdom of God, in fact, the only way, is by repenting. And can I just pause here? I can't think of a better time and a better week of reflection than this week. My dad used to say this every, every end of the year before we moved into a new year. He would always encourage us to make sure we didn't bring any leftover accounts, old accounts, any baggage with us into the new year. Don't you think it would be wise if Christmas is really about forgiveness of our sins and a Savior who paid for our sin, don't you think it would be wise that we would examine our hearts and make sure that there's not one trace of unforgiveness in our hearts towards anybody? I'm just asking. Don't you think it would be great even today to say, you know what, Christmas is about God dying for me so I could be forgiven. And Jesus said this, did he not? He said, you know what? If you can't forgive your neighbor, right, how do you expect me to forgive you? Remember that terrible parable he told that convicted all of us about the guy who's, who got forgiven this unpayable debt, insurmountable debt, and he went and found a guy that owed him a few bucks, and he grabbed him by the throat and said, I'm, you're going to pay me now. I'm going to have you thrown in jail. Remember that parable? And Jesus was talking about who? Me. And you, by the way. Don't get prideful. Me and you. <laughs> so wouldn't it be great if the gift, the greatest gift God could possibly give us, forgiveness, right standing, wouldn't that be great if you maybe gave that gift to some people that have wounded you or hurt you? You know, the greatest thing we can do to take into the new year is a clean heart. So can I challenge you? Spend some time with the Lord as you're, as you're reflecting on his kindness towards you and his mercy towards you and all that he suffered for you, all the forgiveness towards you and me. Can we just make sure our heart's clean? Let's repent. Let's change our minds about, about believing the truth. And then it says you've got to believe. And belief isn't just having a head knowledge. Belief is having a heart embrace. And can I just challenge you again on this wonderful Christmas morning? This is a great morning for a heart embrace, to reach out with everything in you and to embrace Jesus and to make it personal. Jesus, thank you for coming for me. Thank you that you were the anointed son of God for me. Thank you that you took on human flesh so we could behold your glory and that you could die on a cross because humans sinned against you and you took our place. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And make it personal. There might be people here this morning, you've never given your life to the Lord. What a great day. Christmas morning, what a great morning to bow your knee and to bow your heart and invite Christ into your life. I want you to stand to your feet with me right now. Jesus, thank you for a church family 
that's been made possible because of your blood. We're here this morning. This is, this is a holy gathering because we're family. We're not just a bunch of people sharing a room together. We're family. What a precious gift God's given us. I, I just want to say on behalf of Marion and I, you guys are all gifts to us. We love you. We treasure you. We're so grateful for how rich we feel. That's the part that always makes me cry, and it's a wonderful life when all those people start showing up. And George Bailey is the richest man in town because George Bailey has a whole bunch of friends. And I always cry during that part. My kids always make fun of me because I always feel like George Bailey. Thank, thank you guys for uh, your love for us, for our family. And we just want to tell you we love you and your family. Lord, just continue to knit our hearts together as we wrap up this year, start to look forward to a brand new year. Thank you for forgiving us of our sins, and thank you, Lord, for giving us new beginnings because of faith in Christ. I just want to say, some of you feel like, man, I, I need a new beginning. It's been a rough year. That's the promise from Mark and his gospel, uh, that new beginnings began with Jesus. But guess what? We're living in this era of new beginnings every day, and every moment is a new beginning as we repent and as we put faith in Christ. So, Lord, I'm just praying, let new beginnings spring up all over this congregation. In fact, we just crown this day as a, as a harbinger, Lord, of a new year of great beginnings, supernatural things that will be taking off, ministry and blessing, forgiveness, family members coming to know you as Lord and Savior, those that are far off that we know coming uh, into your forgiveness and healing. Lord, we just prophesy that in the mighty name of Jesus. So, Lord, thank you for this family. Thank you for the miracle of Christmas. And, Lord, we just treasure everything that th th this day means, everything that this moment means. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus, for what you did for us. Now, Lord, help us to take the mission, your mission, to make it personal. And I just pray that we be agents of your kindness and your mercy and your love all throughout this region, Lord, as we touch people who maybe don't know you. Help us be full of mercy, full of kindness, full of grace, full of truth everywhere we go. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Hey, if you need prayer, don't leave, all right? We want to minister to you. Otherwise, have a very Merry Christmas, all right? We love you guys. Let's give the Lord a shout of praise.